Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoy it. If you're enjoying Pirate Living Podcasts and all the content we bring to you each week, you can support us and buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash pirate living. Other ways you can show your support as well, subscribe and follow Pirate Living Podcast, rate and review our show, and share this podcast with your friends. You can find us on Instagram at Pirate Living Podcast to keep up with the latest episodes, awesome guests, and bonus clips. Pop in and say hi. We love chatting with fellow pirates. You can also reach out to us uh, to learn more about our individual and group coaching programs. And as usual, keep creating good trouble. And now on to today's episode. Welcome to Pirate Living Podcast. We are your hosts, Kristen and Karan. On this podcast, we are highlighting ordinary people living extraordinary lives. These are pirates who take small, bold actions daily to create social change. Pirate life is all about rebelling and breaking the rules for good. Creating lasting social change starts by first breaking our inner rules. After all, the hardest rules to break are your own. The pirates we highlight have dedicated themselves to creating good trouble. Today we're talking with our very own Kristen Joy Davis. Kristen is an educator and a language story coach and author. She has been working in the education field since 2005 as a teacher, tutor, and director. She is the founder of Language Ninjas and the co-founder of the very own Pirate Living podcast, as well as her new podcast, The Purposeful Parent. She has just published her third book, uh, My Words Are My Wand, and if you haven't grabbed your copy yet, please do it now. Put pause, play, hit pause, go buy it, and then come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so Kristen, we get to talk and highlight really cool pirates every week, and I'm excited to turn the tables here and dive into your pirate journey. Uh, so why don't you tell us so we can learn how you got to where you are here today? Mm. <laughs> That's, that can be a story. <laughs> um, you know, trying to think where to start, cause I've been learning how to do this briefly and also longer too. So, mm. <laughs> hmm. um, you know, everything ties together. So let's start with briefly at the very beginning, when I was in kindergarten, going way back, mm-hmm. I was uh, paid to talk. And I didn't, I did not talk in kindergarten, um, unless I was made to. And I remember, um, so my mom told me that my kindergarten teacher wanted me to go to special education. Um, and I was, she was like, no, she talks, she talks a lot at home. She's fine. Doesn't need that. Um, so instead I went to a child psychologist and the idea of how to get me to talk was bribe me. Mm -hmm. So with the bribing for my kindergarten teacher was, and every time that I talked, I um, talked to her, I was supposed to get a penny in a jar. And at the end of the school year, the, well, however many pennies I had, uh, we were supposed to go and go shopping with them. And I remember a couple of things. First, I remember raising my hand and just being like, oh, I don't want to talk to her, <laughs> but I have to, because I'm getting paid. <laughs> like I'm getting bribed for this. And the other thing is we never went shopping like, and this is, this is in the eighties, like eight eighties, late eighties, but still this is in the eighties. Like, even if I only talked five times, we could have gone and gotten a piece of candy. There would have been something we could have gotten. There's no, there's no way I only talked like four times or less. So did you get to keep the penny or did she keep? No, she had them. I never saw them. (laughs) That's bullshit. It is because I mean, like I said, the eighties, you could have gotten something in the eighties for five cents. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So even if I only talked five times within that time, (laughs) I could have done something. So, yeah. So anyway, during school, um, for, for a while I was bribed, like to, if I'd get stickers and those stickers would lead up to something, I would be praised by teachers. If I talked, I remember boys coming up to me, tapping me on the shoulder and going, Hey, Kristen, I'd be like, what? All annoyed. What? Why are you talking? And then they'd run away and be like, ah, she talked. (laughs) So yeah, that was, uh, most of my school life, like in high school, I didn't, I, I was very selective with who I talked to, hung out with. Um, 
And it wasn't until college that I finally felt like I could free myself and open up from that shell that I'd been in. And I was just like, woohoo, people, people my own age, I can socialize. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it took me a long time to really start figuring out who I was and what I wanted. But um, part of that was I went to college for elementary education and um, in, along the way. So most people going into elementary education, like when they got went into college, when they came out, they could pretty easily get a job. Um, when I came out, I there was this really weird boom of like not enough openings, too many teachers, not enough openings. And so I kept applying for jobs. I was substitute teaching and I kept getting like, sorry, you don't have experience. Like, what do you mean? I don't have experience. <laughs> I was substitute teaching, not experience. Um, so I went for years, like between substitute teaching and then tutoring, um, which I really enjoyed the tutoring because I was getting, getting to teach, but doing it in a smaller group setting. So I got to know the kids, um, where substitute teaching, even though it could be fun for a day, like it was also stressful because you're jumping into somebody else's classroom with a bunch of kids you don't know. And they're like, Whoa, somebody new. <laughs> so, so I, yeah, I don't, like I don't remember teaching treating my substitute teachers super well. No, even if you <laughs> like them, you yeah. still like, woohoo, somebody that doesn't know us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'd lose my voice often too, because I'd have to be yelling. Oh, that's something I forgot about, like with voice. When I was in college, like doing my student teaching, the person that was evaluating my student teaching, so not the teacher I was working directly with, but like my professor with it, she had pulled me aside one day and told me that maybe I should consider not teaching because my voice, because I wasn't loud. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, that's a load of crap because mm -hmm. <laughs> I shouldn't have to be loud or yell in order to be an effective teacher. And so, yeah, that was one thing. Um, with substitute teaching, it was a lot of like, I need to project my voice in order for you to hear me because <laughs> everybody's excited that somebody new's here. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, with the tutoring, it was quieter. It was one, it was one-on-one -on -one or three, three to one. And I got to know the kids a little bit more. And then once Lance and I moved out to Oregon, um, I started working in childcare. So that, that's where I really got to start learning things like um while I was working in childcare I got to finally teach my own class but before I taught my own class I had a couple years of being afloat and filling in for other people and I remember um it wasn't supposed to be something mean said about me but I was like one of the teachers was like Kristen's too nice I was like what do you mean too nice like <laughs> That's like the, the kids aren't listening because she's too nice. And like that shouldn't be an issue either. <laughs> like mm -hmm. not being loud enough and not and being mean or being loud and being mean shouldn't be qualifiers. And <laughs> that's not how I remember my favorite teachers. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, they were loud and mean. They right. were so effective. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. So when I um, finally had my own group of kids that were my students, I had two kids in the class that didn't speak a lot. And um, I remember we ha I had to do this assessment with each of the kids to figure out how many letters they knew of the alphabet. Did they know the sounds? Did they like just place them in what they knew? And the two that didn't really speak, they didn't they didn't want to tell me any answers. So I just leaned in to them. And both of them I'd known for a little while anyhow, because I'd been, they'd been in the center for a few years. And so it's like, Hey, I get it. You don't want to talk. <laughs> Sometimes I'm going to need an answer from you that you can just shake your head. Or, um, yes or no. Sometimes um, I'm going to need an answer and you can whisper that answer to me, but I'm going to let you know, like, if I need you to actually give me words for the answer. So we built a rapport up that way. And honestly, by the end of the year, like they went off to 
Well, I saw them both for their kindergarten year too. And then they went off to public school for first grade. Both of them were like out of their shells so much from where they were that I was like, man, I wish I, (laughs) I wish I had that when I was younger, just that permission to talk or not talk. Um, And so that, like, that was part of leading me into where I am today. And then the other thing was I had this little boy in my class one year with autism and he was one of my greatest teachers the whole entire time. And there were so many things that I got to experience with him where even though there were some challenges and I felt stressed out a lot of days, um, I was learning a lot about how to use my words to say what I wanted. Um, and for like, I was dealing with biting and hitting and running around the classroom and he had an aide that came in and she, I was talking to her about it. And she's like, think about this. Like you're driving driver's training, first time behind the car, you've got all these simulations going on and your instructor yells, don't turn left. What are you going to do? And she, she just looked at me and I laughed. I was like, I'm turning left. Cause that's what he just, that's all I heard. And she's like, yeah, that's, that's what he's hearing. He's just hearing the last part of that. He's not hearing the don't he's hearing run. He's hearing hit. He's hearing bite. So you need to say things how, like what you want him to do. You need to say how, how you want it done. And you're going to be repeating it because he was low on the verbal scale too. So she's like, keep it simple, say it often, say what you want. So, um, it became a, game in a way too, where what the biggest one was he liked to climb up the slide and we weren't supposed to do that. So I'd have to say, go down the slide and up the stairs. And he would, he'd check me. He'd like, look over at me and be like, are you going to tell me you're going to tell me <laughs> like down the slide, up the stairs. And, um, I started to notice in my body as well. Like if I was like, no, don't climb up the slide versus mm-hmm. go down the slide, up the stairs. Like I felt it in my body. Like I was becoming aware enough of how I was talking. I was like, Oh, like saying, no, it's stressful. It's closing up in my chest and saying, go down the slide and up the stairs. I feel more relaxed. Like this is easier to repeat. So yeah. So over the next couple of years of teaching, I was learning more about me and more about my words and met Mr. Mark England, who we've interviewed and (laughs) learned about how really learned about our words. And, um, that led to me. I was still teaching at the time. I was like, I reached out to Mark. I was like, Hey, have you thought about doing vocabulary for kids? Cause I was one of those teachers that would take books, buy books based off of what I wanted to tell, teach to the kids. Um, he's like, um, basically throughout our conversation, he's like, why don't you write a book? Um, I'll write a forward for it. So that led me to down the path of writing my first book, which was Abracadabra. I know what to do. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. And then building language ninjas, which is creating tools for parents and teachers to use with kids to help them learn about their words and how simple little shifts in our words can change how we feel um, and that we get to decide how we feel. And then, yeah. And then we started because we met mm-hmm. <laughs> and enlisted and we started this amazing pirate podcast. And uh, yeah, there was a point in time where I was like, I don't know how all these things fit together, but I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're somehow they work yeah they work yeah and now I'm the ninja pirate so yeah (laughs) did I tell you that I I did a um an in-person event selling books and they had me as one of the questions on the um I wasn't told about this but there was like a scavenger hunt and if you filled it out you got a prize and people were supposed to look for the ninja pirate (laughs) amazing Uh only one person came up asking me about it and I was like I was so confused because I didn't know (laughs) but then what after a while it's like oh yeah I bet that's me (laughs) makes sense Uh you're the ninja pirate the ninja pirate (laughs) there's worse things to be it's true um cool how I mean 
You know what's hard about interviewing you? Is I know so much of your story already. Yeah. <laughs> How about you tell? <laughs> um, well, what I'd like to talk, I mean, there's a few things I want to talk about. Um, and we've, we've kind of talked about some of this um, before in terms of like your time with um, Anat Perry, who is our mm. second, second guest, third uh she, I think she was in the 20s but still she was, was she? she was toward the beginning oh, I thought, oh okay I thought oh I think I'm confused <clears throat> yeah okay um and your time when uh training camp for the soul um but what I want to know is why do you think you didn't want to talk hmm that's a so that's a really great question and my so there's a few things that come up with that um I was a third of four kids is part part of it um I had a some competition especially the young older not younger brother uh older brother um but I don't even know necessarily when it started when I didn't talk um or if it's always been or if it's been most of my life, not always. Cause I remember my mom um, would tell me I was a happy baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, that followed me for a lot of my life, like be the happy one, be the good mm-hmm. one. Don't be like your siblings and parent family. If you're listening to it, <laughs> you're going to hear some things. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and I love you. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, um, I remember hearing, that like a lot of times too, like be the happy one. So I wondered if that has some to do with it, but also, um, there's a couple of things that I've wondered, like first, I'm don't think I was planned. Um, and so my mom had, well, my older brother had joked and my mom had joked a bit that my older brother was a handful. So they waited to have kids, but then also, um, my, there came out one point in time when I was older that my mom actually didn't plan to have more than two kids. And so I was a surprise. And then my mom's like, yep, but then I decided to have a fourth and even out the numbers. <laughs> so I, at that time I thought it was funny. I was like, so my younger brother can thank me for being <laughs> <Yeah>. alive. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. all because of you. You're welcome. <laughs> Paved the way. Yep. <laughs> and so, um, with that though, like there was, there was some stress, like my parents, um, my, my mom shifted what she was doing for work, decided to work from home instead of for a company around the time that she was pregnant with me. My dad was, I think he also shifted a few years before that to working for himself versus working for somebody else. And, um, then just, not expecting to add another mouth Mm. to feed into the family. Like, I think there was some stress there that, cause I, I didn't realize until way later, until about three years ago, um, that I had lived my life in anxiety. Like, I don't know a moment where I didn't have like some form of that going on. And so I wonder if it was some of that anxiety and like, I was feeling anxious a lot. Um, Mm. I also, like, if I knew people, I would talk with them. I'd be open. I'd open up if I was comfortable. And if I didn't know them, I wouldn't. So maybe I was also partially just very particular about who I talked to. And then that story of she's shy um, built up and built up so much that that became who I am. I'm Chris and I'm shy. I don't talk. Um yeah, because I had those, I had moments at least at home where I was open and talking to whoever, or the joke even into my adulthood was like, Kristen's quiet until you get to know her and then you can't get her to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, um, that's what I wonder if it was a combination, but also that, that whole Kristen's shy. Yeah. Um, and then it built up and mm-hmm it became the label and the, I, it became part of my identity because it's what I had heard so much. Yeah. I mean, I, I really resonate with that because I was always the shy kid and mm. like, even to like coaching group classes, you know, I mean, I remember before I started coaching at the gym, my coach 
when I when I joined like the like the competition team and all of a sudden was around new people mm. for the first like year my coach was like do you ever talk <laughs> like yeah uh-huh. <laughs> that's it <laughs> yeah I do <laughs> um and uh yeah it's uh, it's you do get that label of mm-hmm. oh no she's the shy quiet one and so yeah you kind of live into it or you're the introvert or whatever um and these labels do just stick with us and and become part of our our identity and uh how now i know you love to throw parties so how do you think you've shed that identity as the quiet shy one to the one who now loves to throw parties and festivals and create community that um I can thank a lot for the time with a knot and training camp for the soul. Um, because I, so the way she does it now is an online program, like a 90 day online program. I am not sure if I had, I'm going to guess if I had done the program that way for me, I wouldn't have leapt into it the way that I did, um, going into a cabin in the mountains with strangers where we're all just like, we're going to dig into these stories and these beliefs that we've grown up with and spend five days digging deep into it. Um, and then you, you know, the people you get to know them. And then, um, from there have, we had 90 days of support after that. Uh, Um, so I think the in-person part and then having the support of Lance really helped for me to follow through. Um, yeah, we dug deep into stories, dug into childhood, like getting down to the root of like the shy child, that story that's there and the limitation that was there, um, because of that story, that, that, um, idea of that's who I was, but, um, first a lot of some of the things that we did at training camp, we did some breath work. Um, we did some trauma release exercises and, and we did getting in, digging into like those beliefs, those patterns that we've developed. And between all of those things, um, I had one point in time where my body just started releasing, like, um, you know, those videos, the video that Mark likes to show of the polar bear shaking, mm-hmm. um, which I'll try to remember to, <laughs> to put in the show notes. But um, that's basically my body was just doing that shaking and releasing out 36 years of anxiety that I'd had built up. And I remember I'd gone to, um, I'd done some yoga, I'd done acupuncture beforehand. And I remember going to acupuncture and I'd be asked like, how are you feeling today? And I'm like, um, good, but there's a buzzing under my skin. And he'd be like, what do you mean? I'm like, just feels like there's bees buzzing underneath my skin. Like their wings are just (laughs) under my skin. (laughs) And, um, so I remember having like noticing on some days when I go to acupuncture, noticing that and talking about it, um, after my body went through like that full release, um, and I was finally done shaking things out. Um, I was like, I looked at a knot and I said, my hands are, my hands are buzzing or tingling. And she looks at me and she's like, yeah, that's normal. This is your first time doing this. And I was like, no, no, wait, only my hands are buzzing. And, um, I was like, this has been a whole body thing up until this point. So feeling like how my body could feel without that tension and without the buzzing for the first time too, I was just like, oh, this is nice. (laughs) Um, peace. Yeah. And so being able to release that and finally getting to notice, like my body can feel something other than this. Like I can notice, um, if I'm starting to feel anxious or, um, nervous or different things like, okay, this, my body's building up. There's some tension here. I can allow it instead Mm -hmm. of trying to fight it and push it down. Um, and then Anat also had these affirmations that 
she gave to us to play and I would play them every morning getting ready. And so I was just like, I've made this change. I don't want to go back. Like I am mm-hmm. going to do everything I can to cement it in. Mm-hmm. So, um, I spent time just trying, getting these things in and rewriting the stories and the beliefs from, I can't talk to people where I'm shy or whatever to, um, to telling myself that I am the life of the party and I create connections and, um, I welcome people in, I'm open, I'm vulnerable, like telling myself that I, these are all good things, good qualities to be open and to welcome people in. And it was day after day of reminding myself and cementing that in and then looking, allowing myself to look and see, um, where that's actually true too. Like, Oh, I've made these friendships. Mm. These people want to talk to me. These people are enjoying my company. These people like, so allowing myself to see those things instead of telling myself, no, they don't want to hang out with me. (laughs) All the different stories that I had before. So, um, yeah, it's been, year a few years of noticing too like when we've thrown a festival I remember saying to myself who do you think you are to be doing this like Mm -hmm. why do you think that you should you could should be doing this or could be doing this and that people are going to show up and then because we'd had um time of working on those stories and building our corner person um I was like Hi, I'm Kristen Joy Davis. Nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like I had the uh, built was able to build that person to go beside the the Billy voice and mm-hmm. that's there also mean like, hey, you can do these things. So yeah, just it's been a a lot of yeah. practice. Mm-hmm. Um and how so you left your job in education during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about that and like why you decided to leave. Um, yeah. How you came about that decision. Yeah. That it's funny because I've been thinking about this one a lot lately. Um, in then terms then, of like, oh God, why did I do that? Or like, um, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not. I would. I don't plan to go back there. Yeah. <laughs> um, although I'm sure I could. At one point in time, they were offering bonuses to come back. I was like, mm. that's not enough of a bonus anyway. No. <laughs> it was like two hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, what it's been a little more clear to me about the lead up to it because before excuse me. Um, before I think I was along the lines or I would, I would have said, I, I did it partially because I knew this job. It wasn't for me, but really there's, there's even more to it. Um, and it's, and it's simpler. I was burning out hard and fast. Mm -hmm. Um, I had worked the job for six years and the, for some of those years, I was fighting to get time off. Um, I had to almost every time I'd ask for time off, I was getting denied because somebody else was already off or different things. Um, and then we only got like seven days off a year. We're working overtime and I would go into work in the morning, not knowing necessarily when I'd get off from work. Mm-hmm. And so that in itself was a form of of like a trauma of being like, I'm in, I'm in flight or fight or flight the whole time. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, I wore so many hats. I was a bus driver. I was team lead. I was a class classroom teacher and I didn't feel like I could do 
any of those jobs fully, except for the bus driver, because I got pulled out of the classroom to go do it. <laughs> I mean, like, I hope you fully yeah. did your bus driver job, yes. just leaving kids on the side of the road. Exactly. <laughs> you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> not today, kid. Nope. <laughs> not, not after yesterday. <laughs> Take a cab. Uh, so, yeah. Um, it it was it was a hard burnout um and i remember like even before i was able to fully like i'd release that anxiety in my body i remember there was a time where my heart was physically hurting not in the metaphorically whole sense but it was like it was a physical like chest hearts hurting and i had this very clear thought in my head of if you keep going like this it's going to be you or the job and after that point in time, I remember having moments where I almost wished I got in a car accident or something happened with my health because then I don't have to go to work. Mm-hmm. And like, how, how does this make sense that like you're wishing for physical illness or harm so mm-hmm. that you have an excuse not to show up to work? I've been there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, those, all those thoughts were going on in my head. And when it came down to like, um, after I started to manage the stress in my body and was able to calm my thoughts and myself more easily, I knew I wanted to be done with the job. Um, I also knew that quitting as soon as I was done with training camp for the soul was a bad idea. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. this is income. Mm-hmm. And I, I, my class went in school year, um, times. So it's like, I'm going to do one more year and I'm going to make this my best year. Like I can be my best for the kids. Um, I can teach them everything that I've been learning and I'll make this my best year. And then couple of things happened. Like first my boss got fired in January. So I'm in management. I was third in command, got bumped up to second in command. So this is January, 2020. Then March, 2020, um, all the kids in my class, their parents decided to keep them home. So I don't have a class anymore to teach. Um, I also am now fully in management because I don't have a class and there's only two of us. Um, so a lot of things happened where we are, we basically went down to a skeleton crew because there, we could only have so many kids in the building and all a whole bunch of my coworkers aren't working. And so I'm looking like I knew I wanted to be done. I had a specific day. I was going to end the school year because we're going to graduate, do one more week, then I'm done. Mm-hmm. And then I see this happen. I'm like, is this the time to quit? Um, and I still knew I wanted to, but it was like, but is it a good time to? Like, I am so solid in this position mm-hmm. that I, they won't fire me. Like they, they like, I was, I was showing up. I was doing a good job. I was helping run things to my own detriment as well, Mm -hmm. but I had like solidified myself so much into my position that my boss that had gotten fired in January before then she would tell me often that she doesn't know, like I was such a instrumental part of the team that she didn't know how to run the center without me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how did I get myself here? How did Mm -hmm. I get myself to that position where people are telling me they cannot run the center if I'm not there? Um, so yeah, I, it was, uh, it was actually a really tough decision to fill, to write my letter of resignation. I put it off. Um, I gave more than two months notice because the company was pretty slow at filling positions. So Mm -hmm. it's like two months should be more than enough time to fill my position. Um, and then, yeah, it took me about 10 days. I gave myself a 10, 10 days to hand it in. Cause I knew it was going to be rough. And almost every day I went to go hand it in to my, or get, show it to my boss. Um, I hear about somebody threatening to quit or another person is like, I'm going to quit or all these things. And I was like, oh, it's another mm-hmm. person. And I, I finally, like I had to talk, to, I talked to my boss and she was very 
very kind about it. Mm-hmm. She's like, good. I'm glad you're doing this for you. And I've been expecting this because she and I used to talk before our original boss got fired. Yeah. And so I handed it to her and I was just like, yeah, I had all these, like I kept hearing people are quitting. People are doing this. And I knew I couldn't continue to let that get in my way. So this, I'm like, this was one of the hardest decisions. I cried while I wrote this letter and here. Um, so yeah, I, I had to make the decision for myself because every other job before then, um, I was moving and I, I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I have to quit this job because I'm moving back to Michigan. Oh, I have to quit this job because I'm moving to Oregon. Mm -hmm. Um, I, yeah. Or the school year would end because I was substitute teaching. So this was the very first time I had to actually make a decision for myself mm-hmm. without there being any logical, like, oh, I'm moving. I, I kept hoping we would move or do something just so I could be like, <laughs> can <"Ha."> we move? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is that a, can we just run away? Can yeah. We? <laughs> yeah. And then we didn't. So, <laughs> well, it would, that would like ease any feeling of like guilt, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, I'm not leaving you because I'm abandoning you. Um, I'm leaving because we're moving. So it's it's yep. out of it's no longer my decision. So um, so thanks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> totally get that. Yeah. So making the decision for myself was mm-hmm. it was the, I'll I'll go with it was the hardest decision to make because it was fully because I needed to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And so what have you done since uh, leaving that job? How has things changed? What are you doing with yourself? What are you doing with yourself, young lady? (laughs) My favorite thing to say is I'm um, these days when people ask me that is I'm figuring out what I want to do when I grow up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So some days I'm questioning myself and if I should start working for somebody else again. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so I am now working, I'm building language ninjas and that's a one day at a time, day after day, um, mm-hmm. just continuing to show up and trust myself and believe. Um, mm-hmm. But so language ninjas is brand and it's um I've been building tools with the help of Rachel Badel who did graphic design and illustration for me um but build building tools for parents and kids and educators to to use to learn how yeah how our words are affecting us but mostly like I finally gotten to the heart of what language ninjas is is it's the mind mind and body connection to the words so like the whole all of them go together your emotions are tied to your words and those emotions are tied are tied to your body because we feel those things in our body so if you're using words like don't go up the slide. Mm -hmm. You're going to feel that in your body and your emotions are going to feel, you're going to have certain emotions, like maybe anger, frustration. You say, go down the slide up the stairs. There's a different emotion there. feel it differently in your body. And so with language ninjas, it's connecting how our, how all of those things come together. And really it all comes down to how we're breathing as well. Like, if you're frustrate, frustrated, stressed out, your bre- breathing is going to be different than if you're relaxed, um, having fun, having a good time. So yeah, it's the tying everything together to realize that, yeah, the, that the, our emotions are connected to how we feel mm-hmm. in our body, like those physical sensations, our breath, um, it also helps control how we feel in our body. And then we can change, we can control, we can have, have more control over how we feel if we're aware of the words that we're using instead of going off of that programming of whatever comes to your mind first. But if you can take a second and breathe and allow, instead of the emotions to run the show, but allow like w- yourself to pause and see what's going on it can affect, yeah, it can change how you feel and it can change 
how you're viewing the world too. Mm -hmm. Cause I for sure was a doom and gloom person for parts of my life. And so I'd say it's a lot better on the side where I can take a breath and help with my stress levels versus, um, feeling like I'm always tight in my chest and I've got to go, go, go and do, do, do. And Mm -hmm. if I'm not doing these things, that's bad. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So tell us about your, your books. Well, I keep forgetting there's a wind journal in there too. (laughs) Three books in under a year. I'm I'm proud of me and an emotions toolkit. So maybe that's technically four books, even though one's a digital (laughs) um, thing. Um, Yeah. So the abracadabra and know what to do. And my words are my wand, the children's books. um, Those are both there's my words on my wand. <laughs> yes, it finally arrived. Yay. My copy. And there's behind us there in a frame after I read it. Abracadabra, <laughs> I know what to do. So I got to get a frame for this one. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, the um, those books both talk about how about our words and how our words, we can change them. And we can change how we feel. So in the first book, it's a more general book of um, learning about the our words. Um, mm-hmm. So Olive, she's moving. She's got some life stuff happening. And she's feeling frustrations because everything's changed. Like mom and dad are now busy. She's got to meet new people. And these k- people don't seem to be the friendliest and <laughs> she's got new teachers and new neighborhood. And so she learns about how, how abracadabra with my words, I create how she can change her words around from like, instead of saying these kids are mean to me looking around and she's saying, Hey, Oh, I see a friend, somebody over there. I can be a friend to them. Um, I can choose to go play with somebody and be a friend to others. And so she's learning about how she can take control of her life by switching around her words. So instead of feeling like the victim of the situation, she's, excuse me, she's taking charge of it. And, um, in my words and my wand, we, um, it, it goes over the same type of idea, but with this one, um, instead of there being a magical creature right there, helping Kaya and talking him through it. Um, he learns through a journal that he can take charge with his words. So he's had, um, huge life change where his dad died and he's dealing with that and all that's happening with his family and learns how he's been giving his power away while fighting with his friends and arguing and um, blaming others for what's going on. So in that book, it's looking more at projections with the language type. So the first one was it introduced all of the things, negations, projections, soft talk. Um, But it focused slightly on soft talk and solid talk, like being bag versus, hey, we're going to go to the park after dinner. Um, So this book is more is focused solely on blaming others. So the projections um, and changing that around to a reflection of how instead of blaming somebody else for what's going on in your life, how can you take charge and you take responsibility? So instead of mom's always yelling at me or I'm always getting into trouble, realizing like, hey, I can. I can listen to mom, um, or I can be kind to my brother. I can make these changes and Hey, now I feel better too, because I'm not just fighting and yelling and getting upset. And with both of these, uh, the idea is it's a practice. Like you're going to have times where it's easy to do it. There's going to be times where you forget. And there's other times where, you know, but it's going to be hard (laughs) and it's a practice. So just get into getting introduced and learning about how we can change how we feel with our words. Um, that's the idea behind that. 
So what made you um, dive into a topic like death in the second book? So there's two sides to this. <laughs> <laughs> so initially I'd been looking at um, thinking about chapter books, which I still would love to do some like maybe graphic novel type thing mm -hmm. where they're when they're ninjas um, and have villain type people that they fight with that are like projections or negations. Um, but they have a cooler name than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so initially the on um the mom and dad in that chapter it was or in that book, the chapter book, it was gonna be that Kai is like the main villain is a the guy do throwing blame. Um so everything's terrible. So while they're fighting him, the the line that goes through with his life, um, it was that his parents were splitting and mm -hmm. divorcing, separating, wherever, whatever point they were going to be at in that the book, but they were arguing a lot. And mm -hmm. so initially that's where I was going to go with the, um, go with it, like keep that. So on the one hand, that was too much for a picture book. Um, <laughs> to to have the that storyline um adding in of mom and dad fighting plus everything I was, else I had planned um so in a way it was easier just to <laughs> have one parent but um uh, besides the ease of it being like I still wanted it to like the idea of there was a hardship going on there was a challenge going on mm -hmm. um I, I wanted to make the point that like Olive moved and her life had a change, but that's a, overall, it's a minor change, um, mm -hmm. it's big for a kid, but it's a minor change, her family units all together. Um, I wanted to also make the point that like, you can be going through a really crappy time and still choose mm. Like, do I want to be the victim or do I want to take my power and ch take charge of my life? So that was a part of it too, where it's um, like, this is, this is a low spot. Like it's hard dealing with death. And especially if it's somebody that's a caregiver, that's part of your safety net. So mm -hmm. yeah, I wanted, I wanted to make a point within the story, like, partially these kids are all becoming the ninja the language ninjas as well mm. so i realized these are to me they're kids <laughs> like they are they are little human beings and this is their backstory um so because part of me was wondering like is this too much Did i go into too much detail and i was like no because this these are the kids like mm -hmm. these this is how they become the language ninjas um and i wanted to make the point of you can be going through lows and really low lows and you can still choose not to be the victim you can mm. still choose to take like how you respond mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's very cool um and so with the language ninjas and the work that you're doing in your books what is your social rebellion mm. my so yeah my social rebellion with the the books and with language ninjas is to um to to give tools to, for to give tools to people so that they can can take charge of their life um i have worked at one point in time i was focused on like i want to i want to bring this to teachers cuz i've i've worked with so many teachers and one thing i've noticed in all of my years of teaching, like through substitute teaching, through student teaching, um, tutoring, and I've noticed there are quite a lot of teachers that are the victim to the circumstances. I was mm -hmm. when I didn't know when I would go home from work. Um, like I'm the victim here. Like I'm coming into work and I don't know when I'm going to go home. Um, and working, like working with teachers was, a big bite of a pie. Mm -hmm. Um, and parents, they, 
they have kids that they want to work with that because they're living with them. They're going through the day-to-day of like, how do I, how do I manage this? Um, so I've started to focus toward parents specifically, but giving them some tools to ease the parenting trip mm-hmm. or journey. <laughs> um, so that, um, that's the smaller rebellion. And in the grander scheme of all of this, like I'd love language ninjas to find its way into schools. Mm-hmm. Um, because what education is really, um, what it's become, especially mm-hmm. here in the U S is training kids to be part of the workforce. So you go to school during your parents' work day. You Mm -hmm. need to fit inside this box. Um, Even though we're told we learn so many different ways, like you could be an audio learner, a visual learner, a tactile learner. They mainly teach auditory learning and rote memorization. Um, And it's a lot of teaching to a standardized test these Mm -hmm. days. So it's focusing on your reading and your math to pass a test so that your school can get funding. Mm. And the curiosity is gone. The play is gone. And so what I, what I really dreamed of at the beginning of language ninjas was my own school where kids don't have to sit all day. They can move around where there's a playground in in the gym area, instead of like you go in and you kick around a ball, um, where you're combining together movement and play and learning Mm -hmm. all in one. So it's a holistic style of learning. Um, Yeah. When we read the book, Be More Pirate, my initial, um, what I want to do is take down the Department of Education. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let's watch it burn. (laughs) And um, yeah, what I, what, where that focus is toward is getting these tools, getting, um, like the emotions toolkit and reframing negative thoughts to, um, a more positive thought where I'd like to, what I'd like is to start seeing those use, um, and homeschooling or it with teachers that are able to work outside of the curriculum that is state mandate, state Mm -hmm. mandated, um, and slowly start getting in there and, um, yeah, spreading, spreading the word that you, you can, um, feel better. You can, mm-hmm. you can take charge. Um, you can be the hero of your own story. Mm-hmm. And so with that, what, what are, what good trouble are you creating? Uh well, getting those books, getting the books out there. Um, and I mean, this podcast obviously is good <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly. Uh, and yeah, the just making, well, making connections, um, with talking with people mm-hmm. and get spreading the word. The more people I talk to, as far as language ninjas is concerned, um, there, I'm meeting more and more people that have the similar minds of like, yes, learning should be play. Learning should be fun. Um, we want curious little humans, um, so that we can have a world where they're doing what they want instead of, um, doing those desk jobs that they're going by. I'm, do pensions even exist anymore? Like that was the thing. I go to my desk job to get my pension. For some people, uh huh. I mean, I know my mom is retiring next year, uh huh. And uh, yeah, like she's she's got a my mom's got a government job, so applying for her pension that's gonna kick in next year, and um, and that it's uh, it's interesting because I'm very excited for her. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fuck, I don't have a pension. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Am I never going to retire? <laughs> How do I retire? So, yeah, I don't know about like the the rest of the world. I think the boomers still have theirs, but yeah, uh, I don't know about 
everybody else. Yeah. Cause teachers used to, I remember in middle school, um, one of my teachers had been in the school for years and he could easily retire off of his teaching salary. Mm-hmm. Like he was sticking around cause he was tenured in and he wasn't at retirement age yet, but he's like, he's got more than enough money. Mm-hmm. And now you talk to a teacher and they're like, I barely making ends meet mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm working loads and loads of hours beyond yeah. school um, hours. It's really interesting how like teachers, nurses, all of these, um, uh, these professions that are so like vital, oh. um, are being treated like shit and people yeah. are leaving in droves because they're overworked, overstressed, underpaid, underappreciated, and like not to start on like a feminist rant, but they're also traditionally female, mm-hmm. um, uh, jobs. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested to, I'm not interested. I don't want to see what happens when all of our caregivers, whether they be teachers or nurses, um, just kind of fuck off and say, you're all on your own. Yeah. <laughs> like, education collapses, healthcare collapses. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. We, we need to treat our, 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 care, our caregivers better. Anyways, a little rant. Yeah. I know. And, and I'm trying to figure out now, like that's within the last 20 to 30 years that that shift happened too. Yeah. Teaching used to be a great, a good mm-hmm. job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Um, good trouble. Good trouble. Uh, throwing parties is a good trouble too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what advice would you give our listeners who want to start their own pirate journey? I would say the main thing, I mean, we've learned so much from so many people, know, but right? <laughs> like the, the main thing is to get solid on what you want, um, figuring it out, um, and, and being willing to take a leap of faith in yourself because Sometimes we, we aren't always going to have it figured out what that next step is. Sometimes you're taking a step into the dark. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, if you are wanting to get that pirate journey going, that step into the dark is going to be scary, but necessary because if you continue to stay in what, you know, and the safety and the security, you're going to keep you're going to keep on that path. You can, you most likely can look straight ahead and be like this road, um, is where, what I'm going to be on from, mm-hmm. from now until as long as I keep, keep to the safety mm-hmm. that you want to be on that pirate journey. There's going to be rough seas. There's going to be those scary moments. So being willing to step into them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say like, we've talked a lot about following your heart sometimes your heart is going to lead you in a direction where you're like, Oh, <laughs> I'm now broke. <laughs> you have to get back on that path and be like, I'm going to go work for somebody else. Um, so taking those leaps and also knowing that there are good times where your heart might lead you <laughs> to like, Oh, this was a, um, not exactly where I wanted to end up. So being willing to do what needs to, to keep get yourself back on track too, like to to remember how it feels to follow your heart. But like the, the brain and heart comics, the awkward Yeti ones, like heart can lead you too far sometimes. Sometimes. (laughs) Well, and we had that conversation with Laurel Erica, Mm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. yes, sometimes you have to do other things to make money. Yeah. It's not necessarily that you're giving up on your dreams or anything like that. I mean, last year, this time, um, I started working for a safety company, like part-time as well as coaching. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, the, the, the lady that owned the company was great. Everyone I worked with was great. It like was soul crushing to do that. And, uh, last week I gave all of my stuff back to her because I don't have to do it anymore. Right. So it's, it's some, there's a difference between, following your heart and following your passions mm-hmm. and doing what you got to do sometimes to make some cash. Yeah. 
<laughs> so don't be afraid right. to do what you got to do sometimes to make yeah. some cash. Because there are options. It's options. Yeah. And maybe you can sell pictures of your feet online. I don't know. This is true. Like <laughs> and you can <laughs> get a, get an OnlyFans and just right? pictures of your feet. Not even something you could get in trouble for. <laughs> right. Like, hey, if someone likes feet that much, who am I to say that they're wrong? Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Go to the beach, take some pictures. <laughs> Very cool. Is there any, I mean, oh, I know, I do know something I miss. Um, tell us a little bit about Purposeful Parent Podcast. That's hard oh, to say. Yeah. It's a lot of alliteration. I know. Parent <laughs> and then we have Pirate Living Podcast. Um, Pirate Living Podcast from the Purposeful Parent, Purposeful, Purposeful, <laughs> Purposeful Parent, Parent. Oh, just go. Tell us about try, it. <laughs> try writing intros where you're like, and now today on uh, pirate parenting podcast, <laughs> parenting living podcast, the purposeful no. pirate parent. There we go. <laughs> so yeah, the purposeful parent podcast. Um, it's funny, uh, when we first, so I'm doing it with Melissa Curtis, who sh- we talked with her and Chad Curtis back, I don't know, around the fifties, sixties for episodes. <laughs> and, um, so they had started in- they had started inner architect where they were working with parents. Um, I'm going to give you a brief background because I have, I kept getting from people like, Hey, do you have parenting workshops that you do? Mm. And I was like, I used to, I don't. Um, and I had gotten to a place where I had been asked enough that I was like, all right, I'm going to ask some people about workshops, like their parents, what kind of hours of the day would be good for this? All these questions. So I get talk with Melissa. Um, oh, and I had, because Melissa and Chad were doing inner architect and working with parents, I'd also been like, can I just like push everybody to Melissa and Chad? And I do, I'll make the products. They can do the coaching. Mm -hmm. So I started talking with Melissa and she's like, Hey, do you want to collaborate? Like we're sharing each other's stuff all the time anyway. And so like, all right, let's do this. Um, so the idea was to, um, we wanted to do a parenting program, but also in order to talk with people too, and let them know some of the thoughts that are on our minds and, um, to interview other people that are parents or work with parents or kids. Um, we started the purposeful parent podcast, which sometimes I'm in my head, like, I'm not a parent. Do I belong in this conversation? (laughs) And, um, these are like important conversations of partially to, um, talk about, things that parents are going through, like people that have done, um, started getting those stories out of their way and started, a lot of them are entrepreneurs because mm-hmm. funny enough, when you get, <laughs> start following your heart, you usually be, start going toward entrepreneurship too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we talk with parents, um, about, how they're parenting intentionally. And that can look different. And now we're starting to focus on specific topics too. Like we asked Erin Janetti to talk to us about gun safety Mm -hmm. um, and weapon safety. Um, We talked with another person about, he works, he volunteers at a camp called comfort zone camp, which is specifically for kids who have had somebody close to them die. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, we're doing some specific things as well, but having conversations to, um, give tips and tools to parents to help them. And also just giving them that permission to be themselves and forgive themselves for those mistakes because they're going to happen. Um, and yeah, just how having those conversations where at first I wanted it to be more like, um, some other podcasts that I'd heard with people that work with parents and they're like, oh, um, we keep it to like happy, lighter things and the, the power of our words and mindset and all of this. And um, then Melissa and I were talking about having specific conversations, like maybe about psychedelics or like when, when we're talking with Aaron about gun safety. So yeah, I was like, well, because I was trying to avoid um cussing or using stronger language just because I was like, well, then they can listen to them around their kids. And I was like, oh, you know what? Screw that. <laughs> like if we're talking about these deeper topics, like, yeah. but it's not us to, um, to do that. Like 
Yeah. Parent, it's a parent, parent podcast, not yeah. a kid's podcast. Right. And yeah. if parents have an issue with it, then they're not the parents that yeah. we need. <laughs> so totally. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a parent, it's parent podcast, but also for people that have kids in their lives that want to just want more tools for how to Good navigate cool. life with kids. Cool. Um, and where other than the pirate living Instagram, <laughs> uh, where can our listeners go and find out more about you and buy your book and to all of the cool things? Um, so the easiest place to find the books is Amazon, um, because they're all, I publish them all through there and you can find them other places too. Like I found them on Barnes and Noble mm-hmm. and, um, online. So there's this website as well called bookshop.org. Yeah. Bookshop.org. Um, mm-hmm. that if you go onto it and you put in your, a local bookstore, you can find the books to buy mm-hmm. online through a local bookstore. So that's pretty cool too, for yeah. supporting local. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, you can get those there or, um, I have them on my website where I sign them and ship them out at kristenjoycoaching.com. And then got language ninjas is the Instagram and we've got, there's a list. Yeah. <laughs> I also have a language ninjas YouTube where there's a few little guided meditations on there. And I read my um, book, Abracadabra. I know what to do out loud on there. Um, so that's language ninjas on YouTube. Um, did I say language ninjas on Instagram? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then www.languageninjas.me is the website for language ninjas. Um, yeah, you can buy, I mean, just like with Pirate Living, we have stores where it's either on my website or T Public, where you can go buy, <laughs> buy mm-hmm. designs of pirate designs or ninja designs. Mm-hmm. There's too many things. <laughs> the list goes on and on. <laughs> There's so many things, which is awesome. Um, Well, this has been great chatting with you. (laughs) (laughs) As if if we don't every week. (laughs) As if we don't all the time. Um, But just having that space to, you know, share our own stories Mm -hmm. because we don't, we don't do that. We like to highlight other people and it's, it's, it's important to highlight ourselves Mm -hmm. and the work that we're doing as well. It's true. So stay tuned because Quran's it's going to be coming up too. Yeah, <laughs> we, we don't, we haven't done it yet, but no. <laughs> it's coming one, one day. Uh-huh. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for this. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did subscribe and share with your friends, you can also find us on Instagram at pirate living podcast to keep up with the latest episodes, awesome guests and bonus clips. Pop in and say hi. We love chatting with fellow pirates. You can also reach out to us to learn more about our individual and group coaching programs. And keep creating good trouble.